Garden Basics with Farmer Fred is brought to you by Smart Pots, the original lightweight, long-lasting fabric plant container. It's made in the USA. Visit smartpots.com/fred for more information and a special discount. That's smartpots.com/fred. Welcome to the Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast. If you're just a beginning gardener or you want good gardening information, well, you've come to the right spot. One of the easiest fruit trees to grow are figs. And for the adventurous gardener, you can start a fig tree from a cutting. We have the details. Looking for a colorful summer annual flower sure to bring a smile to your face? Grow zinnias, and they're easy to grow, too. One of the most widely adaptable shrubs to grow across the country is the Philadelphus, also known as the mock orange. With its very fragrant flowers, it's definitely a show for the nose, and it's our plant of the week. We get tips on how to protect new or young plants from the blazing heat of the summer sun. It's all on episode 97 of the Garden Basics podcast, brought to you by Smart Pots and Dave Wilson Nursery. And we'll do it all in under 30 minutes. Let's go. We like to take your questions here on the Garden Basics Podcast. Find out what's on your gardening mind. The number to call in, 916-292-8964, 916-292-8964. And we are talking with Connor in San Francisco. Debbie Flower is here as well to uh, help out in answering the questions. And Connor, what are you trying to do this week? Well, Fred, I'm, I'm trying to grow some fig cuttings in this cold and foggy climate. Uh, I recently acquired some desert king figs i'd like to take a shot at growing them but i'm not sure the best way to do that what kind of medium do you guys recommend using how much water you know whether i should be adding some humidity i'm, I'm curious what your guys thoughts are on uh, my first uh, reaction would be do you have figs growing around you well what i did was i i acquired some figs from a native plant store in marin that i saw they had a beautiful fig tree growing there and so I thought if they could uh, grow in that climate, I might also be able to. Was this nursery inland or on the coast? It was on the coast right near uh, the entrance to Muir Woods over there oh, okay. um, by Mount Tam. All right. Did I... you notice anything about the specifics of where the plant was? Was it on a slope? Was it facing south? Uh, uh, I think of figs as needing lots of heat. Yeah. You know, it was it's it's. I don't believe so. It's it's right near Muir Wood there, but it had a lot of sun. It did have like a lot of space, but I understand it's pretty foggy and cold up there um, near, near Mount Tam. Well, it's worth a try if you found it in that kind of an environment uh, and you have a similar environment, I'm assuming. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm I'm in San Francisco where it's it's you know definitely foggy near the um near the coast right right but i did get get some cuttings from from that tree so i thought i could give it a shot <laughs> and you got those cuttings recently yeah just in the past uh the past week probably a week old okay oh i i have them in a, a plastic ziploc gallon bag with paper towels right now but okay. i do I'm, I'm worried that they would rot in that setup depends how much moisture is in there I'm wondering, do you have the very tips of the branches, or or how long are they? Do they have leaves on them? One of them had a uh, had a set of leaves. The rest were just wood. They're about, I'd say, eight to nine inches long. I have a half dozen of them. 
And yeah, I just wrapped them in some paper towel in a in a Ziploc bag for well, now. That, that's actually recommended. Some people recommend it uh, as a way to get the tip of the cut end to what's called callus. Callus means it's starting to grow undifferentiated cells. It'll look lumpy, maybe white, maybe tan. I tend to just stick the cuttings. Ficus uh, carica, which is the edible fig, is easy to propagate from cuttings. You want something that's about six to 12 inches long, so you're right in there, uh, and about a half to three quarters of an inch diameter, which if you've got wood from last year, that's probably how thick it is. The leaves I would remove and any green tissue at the tip I would remove, that tends to just sort of leak liquid and, and uh, dry out the cutting. So I would get container media, soilless mix. You could use a seed starting mix and moisten it, put it in containers. You want to bury, I would cut a new bottom to that cutting unless you see the, the callus. If you saw it already, that's great. Then just leave it alone. But if there's no callus, it almost looks to me like bubble gum, not colored, not pink or anything, but bubble gum wads sort of on the bottom of, of the cutting. If you see something like that, leave it on. If not, cut a new bottom, just a half inch, an inch or so into that cutting. Stick it into the media. You're gonna need pretty deep pots. You might use number ones, sometimes called one gallons. Uh, because you're going to want to bury about half of that 6 to 12 inch long cutting. And then, yes, you do want humidity. So you can do that with a plastic bag over the top uh, and a rubber band around the container. Uh, and you want to keep it at about room temperature. If the top of your refrigerator has space to put those pots with the plastic and the, the cutting in it and the plastic on top up there, uh, then, then that's a good place because it adds a little bit of heat. The refrigerator exhaust heat out the bottom and it comes up around the outside and that just adds a few degrees of, of warmth. I've used waterbed heaters to put under the pots if you have access to one of those or I, I when I'm propagating I use a, a, an official heat mat. But I, for ficus, which is relatively easy to, to root, I wouldn't worry about that, You're, uh, about the bottom heat I mean. Check the moisture periodically after you stick the cutting, you always water after planting, always, always, always and let it drain before you put the, the plastic bag over the top, although drainage will continue. Put it on some sort of a base, a plate would work, so that any more moisture that comes out doesn't mess up your house. And check after a week or so for that it's still moist. I would give it two to three weeks to root, and the way you're gonna check if it's rooted is to take the plastic bag off and pull up on the cutting. You don't pull uh, just a little bit because the soil the, and the nodes and such could, could be uh, just nice and tight with that cutting media in the container and that might pr provide resistance. You're going to have to give it a pretty generous tug and if it comes straight up, then it's not rooted. If it provides resistance, then you may have rooting um, and then you can... If, if, the, if the buds start to grow, that is not an, necessarily an indication of rooting. That's an indication of uh, the buds which are dormant. They react to sun and temperature primarily. And so if, if, if things get warm, the buds may start to grow anyway. You can just leave them alone, but it, it doesn't necessarily mean you have roots. So uh, I would get, give it two to three weeks and, and try. And if you don't have roots, you can try again. If you pull it out and the bottom is all squishy, then it's rotted and there was too much moisture. You could cut a new end and try again.
And Connor, I've got good news for you about the Desert King variety that you have there. According to the California Rare Fruit Growers Association, it's a highly vigorous tree and it is best adapted to cool areas such as the Pacific Northwest. And I think you qualify for that. Yahoo, that's wonderful news. That is great news. I've been here taking notes. Thank you both. This has been really, really helpful. I've been uh, debating what method to choose. I think this has been really good advice. So thank you. Thanks for calling. Now, where are you going to grow it? I want. Do you have enough room to grow a fig tree? You know, I'm going to start them in uh, probably about five gallon pots, and then uh, you know, uh, I, I have a good amount of space in the yard here, so I'm going to see where it goes from there. <laughs> All right, you can start them in fives, but Debbie, wouldn't you move it up to a larger pot? Uh, ultimately, uh, probably a fifteen, and if those black pots are, or even a half barrel would be great. If those black pots are are going to be subject to uh, direct sun at all, I would paint them white or wrap them in aluminum foil uh, because the media inside a, a dark plastic pot, if it's hit directly by sun, it will. It only takes a half hour to heat up to 140 degrees, and that is root killing temperature. So you, you want to put something on the outside, a bigger pot, uh, white paint. I've done it with students. You wash the pot off, let it dry, and then you just paint whatever... I let them bring their own colors. Paint some sort of light-colored paint on the outside to reflect the sun. Or if you can stand it and your neighbors can stand it, you can wrap it in aluminum foil. But that's kind of a tacky look, I, uh, unless you have some great way of, I don't know, designing your foil. Or, or surround it with other pots. Too. Or surround it with other pots, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Connor, uh, good luck with... Sounds good. Good luck with the Desert King fig. Thank you both so much, and thank you for all the great advice on this show. I really, really enjoy it. Thank you very much. Thank you, Connor. You're welcome. Bye-bye. We're glad to have SmartPots on board supporting the Garden Basics podcast. SmartPots are the original award-winning fabric planter. They're sold worldwide. SmartPots are proudly made 100% in the USA. I'm pretty picky about who I allow to advertise on this program. My criteria, though, is, is pretty simple. It has to be a product I like, a product I use, a product I would buy again. And SmartPots clicks all those boxes. They're durable. They're reusable. SmartPots are available at independent garden centers and select Ace and True Value stores nationwide. To find a store near you, visit SmartPots.com Fred. It's SmartPots, the original award-winning fabric planter. Go to SmartPots.com Fred for more info and that special Farmer Fred discount on your next SmartPot purchase. Go to smartpots.com slash Fred. Are you thinking of growing fruit trees? Well, you probably have a million questions, like which fruit trees will grow where I live? What are the tastiest fruits? How do I care for these trees? The answers are nearby. They're just a click away with the informative fruit tube video series at DaveWilson.com. That's Dave Wilson Nursery, the nation's largest grower of fruit trees for the backyard garden. They've got planting tips, taste test results, links to nurseries in your area that carry Dave Wilson fruit trees. Your harvest to better health begins at DaveWilson.com. Local nurse.
anniversary talking with Julie Barber, Master Gardener. And Julie, the weather's going to get hot pretty soon here. What are some ideas for protecting our plants from too much summer heat? The number one thing is if you bought a plant that has a trunk that's visible to the sun, he probably won't develop a canopy large enough in time to protect that tender new trunk from those intense summer temperatures and direct sun that we get. You can do a couple of things that are really going to help. Number one, repurpose your frost cloth from last winter. Don't wrap the tree. That's not what I want. Don't put it on top of the tree. That holds in heat. I'd like the frost cloth to be in front of the tree to block that setting sun from 4 to, say, 7 p.m. Then, tree-safe paint. You use indoor paint, not exterior, and you can buy it at the nursery. It'll say tree-safe paint. Or you can mix your own. The recipe is half paint, half water. The lighter the color, the better it is. No special tools are required to put it on there. I usually start... Paintbrush. There you go. (laughs) And I usually start about an inch above the soil line just because I don't want to get dirt in my brush. And how far do you paint up is always the question. I want you to paint up that trunk until it starts to branch out. At that point, he should have enough of a canopy. Now, some of us have tree roses or things that are meant to be tall and skinny. Maybe you bought a rosemary that looks that way. Definitely paint those trunks. Definitely count on drip. Sprinklers are going to hit it and hurt the trunk. And definitely stick to organic fertilizers and your mulch. I'm sure you can tell we're at a local nursery. And the other tip, too, about the paint, be sure it is interior latex paint, and you can mix it diluted 50, even 50 to 60% with water. Yep, and you can have a little bit of fun, even though white is kind of ideal. If you've got pink, yellow, blue, go for it. Yeah, anything of a lighter pastel shade. That's it. Yeah, and you're you're cutting it with half water, so it's going to be a nice pale color. I won't even mention that I'll use... uh, patio umbrellas to protect some of my vegetables in the late afternoon. That's okay. Just make sure that umbrella is not on top of the veggies. (laughs) That holds in the heat. Yeah. Exactly. Julie Barber, Master Gardener, thanks for the quick tip. You're welcome. Thank you. The Garden Basics with Farmer Fred podcast has a lot of information posted at each episode. Transcripts, links to any products or books mentioned during the show, and other helpful links for even more information. Plus, you can listen to just the portions of the show that interest you. It's been divided into easily accessible chapters. And you're going to find more information about how to get in touch with us. You can leave an audio question without making a phone call. You do it via SpeakPipe. Go to speakpipe.com slash gardenbasics. It's easy. Give it a try. If you're listening to us via Apple Podcasts, put your question in the ratings and reviews section. You can text us questions and pictures or leave us your question at 916-292-8964. That's 916-292-8964. And you can email us, fred at farmerfred.com. And please tell us where you're from because that'll help us greatly accurately answer your garden questions. Because after all, all gardening is local. In the show notes, you'll find links to all our social media outlets. That includes Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. Also, you'll find a link to the FarmerFred.com website. And thanks for listening. Here on the Garden Basics Podcast, we like to bring in Warren Roberts, the Superintendent Emeritus of the UC Davis Arboretum, to tell us about a plant of the week, a plant that uh, looks good or smells good or has wonderful flowers. Today's plant, Warren, is, uh, 
Well, for some of us, a confusing plant, but for others, it's a very common plant. Uh, the, one of the common names is mock orange, and the uh, botanical name is Philadelphus. Yes, and uh, mock orange is a common name for a number of unrelated uh, uh, trees and shrubs. Basically, uh, they all have a light-colored flowers, white usually, and have a very a nice fragrance. Uh, for example, Pittosporum tobira, which is native to Asia, and the flowers smell almost exactly like uh, citrus blossoms. It may even have the same pollinator because uh, the, uh, they're from the same area, citrus and pittosporum. Mm. And then Choisia ternata, which is a relative of orange uh, from Mexico, is sometimes called mock orange. Uh, Philadelphus coronarius, which is native to Europe and Southwest Asia, uh, the, the most usual name is mock orange. Now, confusingly, <laughs> Philadelphus coronarius is sometimes called Sharinga, usually pronounced S-H-R-I-N-G-A, which happens to be the common name for lilacs. Hmm. So oh, I looked yeah. that up. Yeah. Why, <laughs> why are lilacs and Philadelphus uh, often called with the same common name? Well, it turns out the stems of both of these species are easily hollowed out once they're mature. The uh, panpipe, which was evidently invented, invented by the Greek nymph Syrinx, is the uh, connection with that. Whether or not Philadelphus was, or lilac for that matter, were used to make panpipes, I don't know. Uh, usually they're made of cane, but th there's, there's the connection. And uh, when somebody told me when I was a little kid that a, a lilac was called Syringa, I didn't believe him because I knew that the mock orange had that name as well. So Philadelphus coronarius is the most widely cultivated species, but it, uh, it has uh, relatives in various parts of the world. I think there are 65 different Philadelphus species, and some of them in Mexico. Uh, the Philadelphus mexicanus enters into the hybrid ancestry of some of these select forms, you can tell if it has uh, the Mexican ancestry because at the base of the petal, there will be a little pale purple spot. And they, my favorite of the lot is a hybrid between those two and some other species, I think. And it's called Belle Etoile, meaning the pretty star. And it was developed by Lemoine in, in France, uh, France, I believe. And it has a, a, a very pleasant fragrance to me. More pleasant than... Uh, Philadelphus coronarius, which has mm, a kind of a sinister edge to it, <laughs> in, in my experience. Uh, from ranching background, occasionally you come across a, a carcass to the, of a deceased uh, cow, and with the passage of time, there's an odd sort of sweet fragrance that, that emits from this. And I've noticed that fragrance in some lupins, and some of the narcissus have that smell too. But basically, if you don't have that ranch background, it, <laughs> you, wouldn't, you wouldn't really notice it. Uh, but Philadelphus it has a nice name. It was named for one of the Ptolemy Greek rulers of Egypt. Ptolemy II Philadelphus was his name, and his ancestor was uh, one of uh, Alexander the Great's generals who was left in charge of this uh, this large territory that uh, that army had, had conquered. So Philadelphus has an interesting story. It's related to the hydrangeas, the doitsias, 
and our own California native Carpenteria. Within California, we have two species native, Philadelphus lewisii, which has several uh, select forms, and a Philadelphus, uh, let's see, that would be Microcarpus, I think, which is a, a desert mountain shrub in, here in the West. Uh, an old-fashioned garden plant that uh, is deciduous, but certainly worth growing because of the, especially because of the fragrant flowers. I guess we should point out, though, that is it only the coronarius that smells like dead cow? <laughs> um, yes. Okay, good. Not, not strongly so. I mean, it just has that little edge. And, you know, fragrance is a matter of, well, matter of taste. The Latin phrase, de gustibus non disputandum est. <laughs> There's no arguing about taste. And so I actually, you know, I, I like the smell of, of the Philadelphus. But particularly this one, Belle Etoile, which has a fruitier, uh, a more delicious uh, fragrance. I love the smell of fish emulsion in the morning, but that's just me. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and you probably want anchovies on your salad. (laughs) Thank you very much. (laughs) Right. Well, I do. (laughs) Okay, well, good. All right. Warren, let's talk a little bit about uh, the University of California Davis Arboretum. Uh, the COVID-19 situation has put its annual plant sale in uh, sort of an online situation. And this might be something for those of you who are listening to the Garden Basics podcast, say within 50 miles or so of Davis to take advantage of, is the online plant sales that are going on during April and May at the UC Davis Arboretum. It's a rather ex- uh, extensive list of of plants, isn't it, Warren? Oh, yes. There's hundreds and hundreds of different things that are mostly grown right here in the Central Valley of California with with its uh, challenging climate and, and water. So, yes, many different kinds of things, shrubs, perennials, even a few trees, succulents. Um, it's a wonderful, uh, a wonderful list of plants, and you can get it online. Find out more about the online plant sales going on there and the times of the sales and uh, what you have to do to pick them up at the uh, Arboretum website, which is arboretum.ucdavis.edu. Uh, Philadelphus, the <laughs> mock orange, widely adaptable, aromatic shrub. We'll leave it at that. Uh, but most of most of them smell good. They but, really do. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> the nose knows. All right. The nose the plant. The plant of the week, the mock orange. And Warren, thanks so much for uh, telling us about the Philadelphus, the mock orange. You are certainly welcome. It was my my pleasure. The Dallas Morning News had an editorial about the coronavirus potential effect on us, the mental effect to us, as well as our collective well-being. The editorial said, while it may not be as obvious as job losses and coronavirus fatalities, the nation is on the cusp of a spiraling mental health crisis, according to the experts. The article talked about the need for more innovative delivery of mental health services to those in need. Well, that just might be all of us. And that leads me back to uh, cite one of those six daily quarantine or shelter-in-place questions that you should ask yourself every day. Number six on that list was, what beauty am I either creating, cultivating, or inviting in today? Well, how about inviting in the sight of a window box or large pots of zinnias outside your bedroom window? Natural beauty, such as flowers, has a calming effect on us. 
Wouldn't it be nice and soothing that the first and last thing you see each day out your window are the bright spring, summer, and fall blooms of zinnias? Right now is zinnia growing season. Nurseries have a good stock of zinnias available right now. But if you want an even more dazzling, eye-catching variety of happiness, plant several of the more unusual zinnias that you will find at the nursery's seed rack. There are literally hundreds of zinnia cultivars available. Heights range from 6 inches to between 3 and 4 feet tall, and they come in a wide variety of flower colors. And if you have some trepidation about growing from seed, let me reassure you, zinnias are among the easiest of all flowers to grow. You can plant zinnia seeds where you want them to grow, and May and June is the best time to plant them. Zinnias do best in full sun, but they can put on a colorful show in an area that gets, oh, maybe four to six hours of direct sun a day. Plant them not too deeply, about a quarter of an inch deep, cover them lightly, firm the soil, and keep moist until the seedlings emerge, and that'll just be in a few days, definitely less than a week. Then you want to thin them to stand perhaps 9 to 12 inches apart after they're just a few inches tall. And don't let that word thinning scare you either. Thinning just involves removing a plant. And if you don't want to throw it out, well don't. Plant it someplace else. The bright blooms of zinnias make them a favorite of hummingbirds and other pollinators as well as beneficial insects such as bees, hoverflies, and mini wasps. Don't worry, these wasps don't sting. They just go after the bad guys in your garden like tomato hornworms. Well, after the hummingbirds and beneficial insects have had their fill of the nectar, seeds will develop as the flowers mature, and that attracts a whole host of seed-loving birds like sparrows and finches. And you know what else is great about zinnias is the wide variety of flower shapes that they have. Recently, I planted a wide variety of red zinnia seeds, several different varieties of red zinnias with different flower shapes and differing heights. Those red varieties that I planted include Dreamland Red, which gets about 10 to 12 inches tall, Magellan Scarlet, 12 to 14 inches tall, and then they start getting taller. Red Spider Zinnia gets 18 to 24 inches, Cinderella Red is 24 inches, and Parks Picks is a deep red zinnia that gets a whopping 3 to 4 feet tall. If you go to the notes for today's show, there's a link there to Park Seed as well as Johnny Seeds that can show you some of the amazing zinnia varieties that are available when you plant from seed. And when you're done enjoying them in the garden, or even while you're enjoying them in the garden, bring the flowers indoors. Zinnias make wonderful, long-lasting cut flowers. It's spring and summer happiness for both the outdoors and the indoors. Zinnias will bring a smile to your face and everyone else that sees them. And you know, a smile is a good start to better mental health. Garden Basics comes out every Tuesday and Friday and is brought to you by Smart Pots. It's available just about anywhere, and that includes Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google Podcasts. And for Northern California gardeners, it's the Green Acres Garden Podcast with Farmer Fred. It's available also wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening, subscribing, and leaving comments. And thanks for listening.